0: Oh, yeah. Let your kingdom come Father let your will family... be
1: it be so you may be seated thank you so much for your attendance today church on the hill we welcome you glad that you have made this a part of your worship time today those that have joined us on kths radio and facebook live we appreciate you being a part of this service today and it is good to be in god's house thank you for your faithfulness in giving and the receptacles here at the church and also online and Mail, So appreciated. Well, lots of things happening, going on. Uh, next Sunday, we've got special singing. The uh, new generation will be singing. It'll be a great day. And then the evening, the men's leadership. And then, as you see, the stage is starting to get ready. The kids is going to have their musical on the 13th, which is on a Wednesday, and on the 17th, which is Two weeks from today, and so that's going to be a great time. Also, if you want to participate, in the past couple, three years, we've had a lot of our loved ones that have uh, moved on to glory, and we're just kind of honoring them this year with poinsettias, so if you'd like to participate in that, feel free to bring one and put their name on it, and just, we're going to remember the blessings we've had through years of relationship in a special way. Also another great way for the season is something that the Gideons is going to tell us about, so we we'll welcome Johnny Phillips as he comes and talks to us about
2: Christmas card for Jesus. Thank you, Keith. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here representing the Gideons, the local Gideons here in Carroll County. But uh, each year at Christmas time, we do the Birthday for Jesus, as we've done. This is our third year here at our church, and we appreciate it so much. Last year, Carroll County churches bought over fifteen thousand Bibles through our uh, Gideon program on Birthday for Jesus. So it's a wonderful deal, um, and they go around to two hundred countries around the world. So the gospel is getting out. Praise God and there in luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 11 says and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and lo the angel of the lord came upon them and the glory of the lord showed round about them and they were so afraid and the angel said unto them fear not for behold i bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people For unto you is born in this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. As believers in Jesus Christ, you and I have the greatest story in the world to tell, the story of a Savior who came to earth to save mankind. This time of year, the world can tempt us to get caught up in all the commercial aspects of the season, but you and I know the real reason for Christmas. We are pleased that our church is partnering with the gideons again this christmas to share the greatest story of all the story of jesus it's called birthday for jesus an opportunity for our church it gives you to celebrate christ's birth by donating bibles around the world in his honor so we'll play a video now and then i'll come right back <laughs>
3: On the first Christmas night, a star lit up the heavens. The angels gathered to rejoice in the coming of a savior. Shepherds left their fields and journeyed to worship together, the light of the world who was born to chase away darkness. This holy child who began life in a humble manger was honored with gifts worthy of a king. Our traditions may have changed over the years, But the one we celebrate remains the same. He is the Prince of Peace. The Great Healer. The Good Shepherd. Emmanuel. He is still worthy of our gifts today. With every donation given, you help fund distribution of scriptures to people who are seeking the hope only Jesus can provide. Join the Gideons International today in spreading the good news of Jesus this Christmas.
2: participate in this opportunity to touch lives with the word of god you can just take one of these um, donation envelopes and uh, right here down in front of me is the display and it's going to be right back there on that center table for for you to use in the future and um, you can fill out and include any amount that you wish to donate to the gideon's international in the honor of jesus's Your donation, again, will provide the placement and distribution of scriptures in over 200 countries around the world. And inside the envelope, you will find this decorative um, ornament. It is yours to keep. You can hang it on a tree, attach it to a gift package, uh, or enclose it in a Christmas card. Whatever you like is a reminder to pray for those who will encounter these scriptures as you're providing. Isaiah 55, tells us, that God's word does not return void. So pray for those who receive these scriptures, knowing somewhere in the world a man, woman, boy, or girl will receive a copy of God's word that you have provided. Pray also for lives to be changed as they read the story of Jesus Christ and receive him as Lord and Savior. Just fill out the envelope, endorse the donation, and place the envelope in the church offering. Or drop the envelope in the mail. They're self-addressed. Birthday for Jesus donations by your our church will be taken through the first week of January. So, Pastor Keith, thank you for allowing me to share this morning.
1: Amen. What a wonderful program that certainly touches lives around the world. I'm so glad that we participate those things. Turn with me this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We've been on a journey of slaying some giants, and we were on a journey in Corinthians, and uh, we're going to slay some giants out of Corinthians today. Hopefully, that is. (laughs) You know, one of the great giants that we face in life is this giant of love. And today we want to talk about slaying the giant of conditional love. Conditional love. You see, one of the giants that love often has to contend with is this thing of unconditional love. We don't have any problem understanding and loving But that unconditional part gets to be a work. It's to be a job. Reminds me of the guy that called his sweetheart and said, Darling, you know, I, I really love you. I adore you. I'd climb Mount Everest in my bare feet for you. I'd slay dragons for you. I'd walk on hot coals for you. I'd endure any hardship for you. She said, Oh, Ralph, I love you too. When, when can I see you again? He said, well, I'll pick you up on Saturday if it doesn't rain. <laughs> you know, sometimes there's a lot of words that are just words. You wonder where are the actions that are true. So today I want to take for just a few minutes, and I want to blend together these two ideas that we've been working on through this year from Corinthians and slaying giants reminded of what CS Lewis said he said the only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell what we have discovered on our journey of slaying giants is that many times we are fighting habits that try to control us. A controlling habit is something you find yourself doing even though it's destructive, whether it's physical or mental or emotionally or relationally or spiritually. If something you do that is taking the energy out of you and has bound you up, then if you have that something, you need to get victory over that whatever area. You do do things that you know you shouldn't do, you don't want to do. Paul recognized this dilemma in the seventh chapter of Romans when he said, I do not practice what I want to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. You ever had a conversation with yourself and said, why are you doing that? You know better than this. We have to understand that many good people are bound by controlling habits. That's the truth. Some think that if we admit that, you know, we have a habit, then we're, we're less spiritual. Well, denial only covers up the problem. Now, we've dealt with giants so far of adversity, of fear, of worry, of anxiety, of ingratitude, of rejection. This is probably one of the tougher ones to deal with because This thing of unconditional love, pretty powerful there. There There's some key biblical principles that we need to ever be involved with and using in our lives to move forward, such as the principle of perception that we learn to see things as God sees them. And the only way to do that is spend time in His Word. Then we'll see how He sees things. And also the principle of responsibility that you give up your excuses and you dare to take steps of obedience so that God can do things in your life for you because with great responsibility also comes great power, power of deliverance. Today we're going to look at this connection of how important love is. In everybody's life. Now, we were not made to live disconnected, isolated lives. We're not made to be that way. We were made to be in relationship with one another. Isolation affects more people today probably than it ever has before because of post-COVID. A lot of people's lives went into isolation. And it's easier somehow to be able to attain... This isolation, I read about a man, single, lives alone, works out in his home. He rarely leaves the apartment. He doesn't go to church, doesn't go to parties, doesn't go bowling with anybody. He doesn't even invite people over for dinner. He stays at home all the time. His only connection with the outside world is via the Internet. Now, here's the catcher. He wonders why he's lonely. And the sad part of it is, this is not just affecting a few people. That's no way to live. We were created to love and be loved. We need real, genuine, personal contact with other people. Reminds me of that Brazilian song says, Love is indeed essential. It's impossible to be happy alone. (laughs) Now, some folks argue that. I realize that. But we do need one another. We need to love and be loved. Thank you. The great American... Psychiatrist Carl Metzinger, who founded the Metzinger Clinic in Topeka, Kansas, authored the book, Whatever Became of Sin, said this, love is the medicine for the sickness of the world. He used to tell his clinic staff, whether it was a doctor or a nurse or an orderly or even the cleaning staff, that the most important thing they could offer a patient is love. It's because he said people in therapy and people who are hurting need to know they're loved if they're ever going to get better. It's interesting, isn't it? I'll hasten to say that this has nothing to do with your marital status, whether or not you live with the family. You can be connected to others in very meaningful, fulfilling relationships, whether you're single or married, divorced or widowed, or whatever your family member's wherever they may be, whether they're thousands of miles away or whether they're next door. One of the great things about being, I think, involved in a local church is you have family right here that you can belong to and be a part of regardless. No matter what your circumstances, God has placed you in a situation where you can find community with others, where you can love and be loved. Now, as we look at 1 Corinthians today, and we're kind of blending these two ideas together, which is a good reason to preach twice as long. (laughs) Oh, that doesn't work that way. Well, okay, I'll try to get it all in then. The first thing I want to call your attention to is, it's really a word of warning, is the absence of love negates a great deal of good. Carl Rogers, one of the founders of the non-directive school of counseling, once said that that he had identified one, one area that separated effective counselors from ineffective counselors. He said the one area, no matter what kind of training or how professional training they had been involved in, that the best in the world, that there was one thing they had to have if they were going to be effective. And he said that word that he had to use, and he used it apologetically because he said it's not a scientific word, but he said the best word to to describe this necessary ingredient is love. Love. Basically, that's the same thing Messinger said. People need to know their love if they're ever going to get better. Carl Rogers' words echo from what we hear In our text today, in 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in tongues of men and angels and have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I have, and if I, I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. I don't know about you, but sometimes, have you ever wondered why some people don't listen to you? Maybe why people don't respond to advice you've got because you, you've been down that road, you, you know exactly what it is. Maybe at times I've thought, maybe it's because of them, but maybe it's because of me. Have they received from me an affirmation of love? Because if, if they haven't received that affirmation of love, I may just be a noisy gong <laughs> or a clanging cymbal. I've been given advice for it. I don't know about you. Advice, there's probably some pretty good advice. But because the advice was delivered in such a condescending way and with contempt that I tended not to want to believe the person dispensing the advice because I wasn't sure they had my best interest at heart. I've received that kind of advice before, and probably what's worse, I've probably given advice that way. Reason I say that because it wasn't received very well. <laughs> in a decade of doing ministry in the poor communities of Brazil, the one missionary said, I've seen so many organizations come and go. I've, I've seen so many and so much of it through the years. But he said, The one thing I found out the difference between those that come and go, those that stay is the organization that comes in with a high and mighty attitude, they don't last long. But those that come in and will look people in the eye and love them and connect with them, that's the difference of them going or staying. So as individuals, dare we say, that we communicate the gospel in such a way with others that they understand that the first most basis of our whole intention is built on love and our care for other people. So we can slay that giant that is opposing us with this Conditional love aspect that the giant always wants. What, what, what you just, you know, you need to make a, put a condition on this. There's an old saying people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. There's a lot of truth to that, especially true, I think, when it comes to a believer's influence on, on the world around us where we're living. And our good works has to be motivated by love, not other things, or else it's just a noise. The second thing I want to point out is also a word of of caution or warning. Love ill-defined leads to a great deal of misery. There are many things that we confess in our lives as we're living our journey of life that we need to understand that can be hurtful because some things are confusing in love. I'd say one of the biggest culprits of confusion that is brought is the area of need, for instance. We often mistake need for love. Sometimes people object to this idea. How how can you dare say that? Love and need are closely connected. For instance, I need my spouse. I need my family. I need my friends. Yes, but there's a distinction that we need to make. Eric Froman social psychologist philosopher said when a relationship is first and foremost about need it's impossible to truly love he explains he defines the nature of love as being able to say this i love you therefore i need you as opposed to i need you therefore i love you see the difference it's more than just a difference in the arrangement of words it's the difference in how We approach the relationship. For example, if this relationship is just about what I need, what I want, what I'm going to get from it, if this relationship is primarily about how happy you make me and how you're obligated (laughs) to make me happy, there's going to be some emptiness coming. You see, if you hear these words in the context of relationship, either out of your own mouth or from the mouth of another person, you need to be beware, be cautious. Because if we're looking for someone to fill the empty void in our life, to take away all of our loneliness and unhappiness and misery, we need to understand that others will not be able to do that. That's what Jesus does. And He will do it. And even if They could do that for us. We'd never be able to see that person in the context of a mature, responsible relationship. You'll just see that person as a supplier, okay? Love ill-defined leads to a great deal of misery. When we mistake need for love, everybody loses. And the flip side is the person who defines love and defines their self-worth solely by what they do for others. And there's a danger there because they become the giving tree. They have no boundaries, no backbone. They just give and give and give and let others take and take and take. They think that's what love is, but nothing could be further from the truth. There are young adults who only call their parents when they need money. We don't, don't have to respond to that. What's worse, there are parents who let their kids get away with it. Both are wrong. Both need to change their ideas about what a mature parent-child relationship really looks like between grown-ups. For instance, there was a man who took out a loan that he could not afford to pay back in order to give money to his son. But then his son didn't pay the money back, and the friend went through a real financial crisis because of it. Why did he do that? He'll tell you did it because he loves his son and he wants to be there for him. But there's a pattern in their relationship that has been established, and all he's doing is enabling his son's selfish behavior. There's an article posted on Facebook that contains a great quote. It reminded me of this situation. He said, "You're not obligated to set yourself on fire in order to keep someone else warm." Some people think that's what love is. People on both sides of this dysfunctional spectrum, they that love is about getting something from someone else. That's not what love is. Love gives, there's no question about it. Love gives a lot. Love gives far, far above and beyond the call of duty. Love gives, and yet at the very same time, love sets boundaries. You know, the most unloving thing you can do is to allow someone to walk all over you. The most unloving thing you can do is to set yourself on fire just because someone else is chilly and wants you to keep them warm. Now, we've talked about a couple of things that love isn't. the time remaining, I want to look just a little closer at what love is and what love does. These verses out of 1 Corinthians, I want to let you read the whole chapter. It's a beautiful chapter. It's one I love to use in wedding ceremonies. There's a lot to take home there. But I want to point out some things real quickly as my final point. My final point has five, by the way. (laughs) Number one, treat others as equals. People aren't dirt, so don't treat them as if they are. You're not dirt. Don't look at yourself as if you were, because you're not. Paul says, verse 4 and 5, love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. These things that Paul mentions here, envy, jealousy, arrogance, rudeness, selfishness, resentment, they are actions of people who either think they're better than someone else or who have a low self-esteem, and they feel like They have to behave this way in order to prove something. When you're equals, you don't feel the need to boast. When you're equals, you don't feel the need to insult. So among equals, you don't feel the need to tear others down or to artificially inflate your own self-worth. So just treat others as equals. Among equals, the relationship is one of give and take mutual respect. Now if the other person doesn't respect you there's not a lot you can probably do about it except you can treat them as your equal and respond to them as they're equal. This is the attitude that creates loving, healthy relationship. It lets people know this relationship is built on level ground and always will be. Period. Secondly, we have to somehow figure out how to bend without breaking. Bend without breaking. Paul says love is patient and kind. How does that apply in the living of the relationship in reality? Well, number one, you don't abandon someone the minute they fall. You don't blast them with hostility when they make a mistake. When you're in a relationship with someone, friendship, family, marriage, ministry, you'll need to come to grips with the fact that you will have to forgive them more than once. Sometimes you'll have to go the extra mile for them for more than a few miles. Those areas in which they need to improve might not be improved with the snap of the finger. They're going to need your patience and your kindness. And don't kid yourself. You're going to need their patience and their kindness, too. That's how relationships work. The key to a mature, loving relationship is having the wisdom to know how far to bend without making yourself snap too. two. How far? Now, there's no magic formula. It's one of those learn as you go. But a good guideline to follow is learning how to bend without breaking, is don't set yourself on fire to keep someone else warm, but do share your coat with them. Yeah. The third way, make it your policy to let go of the past. Paul says love keeps no record of wrongs. That's a tough giant, isn't it? Hmm? You see, if you keep such records, the past will continue to haunt you. You'll find yourself getting mad again and again and again for the things that happened decades ago. Probably the worst I've ever read about was the woman, she's in church every Sunday, got mad at her husband, Coming home late one night, missed a meal. Been there, done that. This wasn't me. He said that he'd be home at 6. On the spur of a moment, he stopped by a friend's, and he eventually got home by 9. He was wrong. No question about it. This is the day before cell phones, so there's no way he could escape, you know. At least we got an excuse today, guys. (coughs) We could call. Dessert that night was supposed to be his favorite cinnamon bread. She got mad and just tossed it out. Many I don't blame her. He had it coming. It's okay. Maybe he did. But here's where the story gets off rails. That happened sometime back in the 70s. And she still hasn't made cinnamon bread for him since. At least not when he's home to eat it. Now, how's that for letting go? She's let it go now. But for many years... She never let me forget the first Christmas gift, which was a set of steak knives. (laughs) I said, she's let it go now. But it took a few years. Best steak knives we ever owned. (laughs) Wish we had them now. But we had a lot of laughs about it through the years. I wasn't smart enough not to know that it wasn't quite personal, you know. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole long story in itself. don't have time for it. I'm preaching two and one. Clara Barton, founder of the American Red Cross, confronted one day with her memory of a betrayal that she'd experienced years before. She acted like she'd never heard of the incident. <laughs> and so there's a friend that knew better and said, don't you remember what that person did? Clara said, no, I distinctly remember forgetting it. (laughs) Hallelujah to Amen. I distinctly remember forgetting it. You want to be in a healthy, loving relationship with others, you have to be willing to let go of the past. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. There's a whole message right there, as the Lord forgave you. That's a whole lot of forgiveness. Simply saying, let it go. Let it go. Here's the fourth. Celebrate all that is good. Here's what Paul says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. As I said a couple of weeks ago, What Gord Vidal said, it's not enough to succeed, others must fail. We've probably all experienced people with that kind of attitude. They they just can't enjoy the success of others without being overcome by envy and jealousy and bitterness. If we want to be more loving toward others, we have to make the choice, and it is a choice, to rejoice when they rejoice, to weep when they weep, regardless of what our circumstances are. Here's the fifth. We have to make it our policy to never give up. From the King James, it says, Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. In short, verse 8 really says it, love never fails. In other words, it never quits. And here's the thing that we have to understand. Love cannot endure forever with the boundaries of a relationship that are off kelter okay? If you're constantly setting yourself on fire to warm someone else up, or if you're demanding that others set themselves on fire to warm you up, eventually that relationship burns out. However, when the proper boundaries are in place, you can stay with them no matter what. Relationships defined by proper boundaries aren't a constant drain on all of your resources. They don't deplete you. When the boundaries of a relationship are right, you can work it out. And you must work it out because love never fails and it never quits. Now, we were made to live in community with one another. Love is fundamental. It's impossible, as I said earlier, to be happy alone. We need to love and to be loved. Understand that love doesn't come from a position of neediness or weakness, it comes from a position of strength. And we have to be strong, strong to treat others as we should and to re- expect them to treat us as they should. We can't move forward in love when we're always looking back on others or looking down on ourselves. Love looks straight across, eye to eye, equal to equal. You see, Loving others with this kind of love will empower you to move straight ahead. It will empower you to conquer the part of conditional love, and it be an unconditional love. It will enable you to help others move forward in their journey. So the, the giant of conditional love can be defeated as we learn to love unconditionally. As the worship team comes... Fred Rogers said, nothing can replace the influence of unconditional love in the life of a child. Over the years, many people have tried to make the Christian life about many things. They've tried to make it how you dress, how you vote, how you worship, how you spend your money, how well you do the do's and don't the don'ts. These are all matters that we've been challenged to consider because, yeah, they're important to some degree, but we have to always remember that the top step of the ladder should always be love. What is love? Please understand this. Love is an action, not an emotion. It's something you do, not something you feel. It's something you do, not something you merely say. Our society teaches love is a feeling, a mystical sensation that sweeps over you one day and may disappear the next. As long as you feel a certain way, you're in love. When the feeling goes away, you're not in love anymore. Of course, it follows You can't be expected to act a certain way towards someone when you're not in love with them, can you? You see, commitment is required only as long as the feeling remains. That's because to them, love is a feeling. That's according to our society. I just want you to know the Bible teaches the opposite. Love is not a feeling. It's an action. It's something you do. As they sing this morning, if you, in your walk in life, have had challenges in this area, God has deliverance. We can overcome. If you've not accepted Jesus as your Savior, there's no greater time than today to say, today's my day. I'm going to receive His love, His love to us, that He loved us so much, He gave it all. Let's
2: worship together.
0: Your stand for redemption. The price for.
2: so much for coming this morning. If you're here for the first time, Pastor Keith will be in that foyer behind you, the front foyer. would love to meet with you. To the rest of you, God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday. And don't forget about the uh, Gideon's envelopes. They're back on the table in the